Okay, so I'm going to discuss the effect of uh, various factors on enzymatic activity. There are actually multiple factors that affect this, but uh, this module focuses only on the effects of pH and temperature. Um, specifically, remember that enzymes are specific in terms of their function, and they work in specific environments. Not every enzyme works everywhere. As such, these factors kind of toy around with, and in, in many cases actually um, uh, render these enzymes ineffective in these environments. So I'll take the example of pH first. Let's begin. <clears throat> take the example of alpha amylase. This is an enzyme that is present in your mouth, in your saliva actually, that assists in the breakdown of starch into sugars. Okay. Um, and this pH, uh, this enzyme, sorry, is most active at a pH of approximately seven. So a neutral pH. Now go jump down to the stomach where the uh, pepsin is present, pepsin in the stomach, which breaks down proteins to peptides, okay? And pepsin is optimized at a pH of approximately two. So we see two enzymes, alpha amylase at neutral pHs and pepsin at acidic pHs that, you know, they function, uh, they are optimized, their ideal conditions are very different pHs. So they work at you know, both uh, enzymes work at approximately 37 degrees Celsius, which is the body temperature, but their pH difference is present. There's this pH difference that pepsin doesn't work, uh, you know, uh, in neutral conditions and alpha amylase doesn't work in acidic conditions. So uh, that was an example of changing pH. Now let's discuss why that happens. And it's actually very simple. I have actually a lot of notes on this, but I'm going to compress it because it's actually a really simple idea. Recall um, Mg2+. plus. Yeah, that thing that I told you to always remember it as a cofactor, as a mineral, as involved in electrostatic catalysis. Um, recall Mg2 plus and DNA polymerase, okay? Remember that um, Mg2 plus is used to stabilize the uh, you know highly negatively charged DNA strand. Remember the sugar phosphate backbone, the presence of so many negative phosphate groups makes the DNA double helix very negatively charged. And we've talked about how when those O's, the 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 phosphate groups are negative, they're, they're deprotonated, right? Because if they were protonated, the, the H, H's, the protons, which are just H pluses, would attach to those O's and satisfy that charge. But when they're, you know, so when the, at normal pH, the DNA double helix is deprotonated, which means there are no hydrogen satisfying those negative charges on the O's of the phosphate groups, which means the Mg2 plus comes, can come, is free to come in and stabilize those negative charges. That's, that's really what we've been talking about the whole time. That's Mg2 plus, that's what it does. It comes to the DNA double helix and it attaches itself to those reactive O's. No problem. However, when you change the pH, when you reduce it to acidic conditions, what are you essentially doing? Acids are, you know, really just, you know, I think of it as an H plus soup. It's literally just a soup of H pluses, okay? So if you, if you, uh, you know, have DNA in its, you know, in its lower pH, you know, environment, it's going to be protonated because the, the acid provides so many H pluses, which, as I've just said, satisfy those negative charges. In other words, both, uh, you know, when you, when you put it in acidic condition, H's come and satisfy those negative charges instead of Mg2+. Specifically, Mg2+, doesn't have anything to bond to because there's no neutral there's no negative charge anymore it's a neutral charge so this is how we see that when i lower the ph mg2+ is actually rendered ineffective dna polymerase is rendered ineffective at low ph because of that protonation 
That's pH. Let's discuss temperature. I have one minute left. <clears throat> so recall from a previous module, I've been doing this podcast long enough. We have enough content that I can quote previous episodes. Recall that temperature disrupts three out of, out of the four levels of protein structure, secondary, tertiary, and quaternary. We recall that the only way to, you know, it doesn't touch the primary organization level. Only enzymes do that. Only enzymes are able to break those peptide bonds. So um, temperature disrupts uh, secondary to quaternary structures. Um, take the example of, so that's, that's what it does. Now let me give you an example. Take the example of a fever. Your body raises its temperature to kill any unwanted or foreign bodies or bacteria or viruses, whatever, right? However, you know, your body doesn't do this without any repercussions. In, in fact, you know, increasing the body temperature through a fever disrupts, you know, enzymes, multiple enzymes throughout the body. I'll take the example of digestive enzymes, but there are multiple enzymes that are denatured from increasing the body temperature. Because remember, you know, look at the big picture. What are enzymes? They are just specified proteins. And what happens to proteins at high temperatures? They become denatured. So what we see is that uh, both environmental uh, temperature and pH changes result in a loss of enzyme functionality. That's kind of the takeaway from this module.